Good morning. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Buon Natale. Frohweihnachten. Please be seated. I suspect each of us had at least one present under our tree or in our stocking this morning. Uh, whether you had that car commercial BMW with a bow in the driveway. And one of these days, just for fun, I'm, I'm going to go to the toy store and find a, a cherry candy apple red Camaro and reach up into the into the wrapping paper box, put a little bow on it and put it out in the driveway for Robin and you know, hopefully I won't be eating Christmas dinner on the porch, but uh, I'm just one of those funny things. But whether you had a, a like I said, whether you had a commercial BMW car commercial BMW with a bow in the driveway, or perhaps a sweater from the Aran Isles, or a handmade craft from a loved one. Christmas gifts are pretty much the norm uh, for us in Western Christianity. But you know, this was not always the case. And, for ha and perhaps for the first millennium and a half of the history of the church, uh, Christmas gifts were not a thing at all. It wasn't until the, the restoration of the, Brit, of the English monarchy after the downfall of the Cromwells that, and boy, they were a cheery lot when it came to Christmas. What was Christmas like? Well, what's Wednesday? What's Thursday? Christmas was just a, another day with a church service tacked onto it. But as, as the English monarchy was returned, and somewhere around 15, 1680s, we began to see Christmas presents. However, it would be two more centuries until the writings of, of Charles Dickens and, and his immortal tale of A Christmas Carol, that the celebrating Christmas really exploded. And it took a little time here in, in America because of those pesky Puritans. But thank God for German immigrants who brought us Christmas trees. Thank goodness for Irish immigrants who taught us how to make merry, that Christmas began to look like what it does now. And the, as we said, but while we think of Christmas presents, for the next couple of minutes, I'd like us to think of the concept of the presence of Christmas. And I'd like to take a few minutes to consider that. A, a, a gift of Christmas is our receipt. One of the big gifts of Christmas is our receiving a seat at the table. Remember when you were a child and you sat with the ones that were having trouble eating their mashed potatoes at, at the little kids' table, and you looked at the, the refined manners up there at the adult table, and you wanted to sit with the adults in the worst way, and that was somebody who was ha struggling with, with, their, with their strained peas. Well, that was one of the first big gifts of Christmas, is we were given a seat at the big kids' table. Uh, and St. Paul describes this as, as we were brought in. In verse 15 of chapter 8, uh, where he begins to say, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, 
But you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, for whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we might also be glorified with him. Adoption is a moment of joy in a family. I, I don't know if you've been, well, I, I know this, the, the Christmas queen there is, is a gift of adoption. And nothing brings joy to a family that didn't have a child, to now have a child. Uh, but adoption also comes with its own measure of stress. And adoptive parents uh, need to work towards full integration into the family or seeds of alienation will sprout and begin to grow. Now, our omniscient Lord already knew this. And St. Paul speaks to this idea in his letter to the Ephesians church, beginning in chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember, at one time you Gentiles in the flesh were called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at a time separate, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel as strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in, in the world. But now, in Jesus Christ, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down the, in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments, expressed in ordinances that he might create for himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. It was Christ's propitiatory sacrifices was the agency of our redemption, but it's also the agency of our adoption and our integration in, into one family of God. Before the cross, as St. Paul recounts, we were aliens and strangers even the most pious, God-fearing Gentile could only come so far. We know in the history of the temple that there was an area that was demarked as the court of the Gentiles. This is where the God-fearers could come to, to Jerusalem to worship. But with a sign as stark as a sign that might say danger, minefield, there was a sign at, at the, the other side of that court that was written in, multi, in many languages that basically say, warning, Gentile, do not, I'm paraphrasing, but warning, Gentiles, do not pass this sign under pain of death. Your death will be on your own head if you do that. Uh, in a sense, it was like a, there was a spiritual Berlin-like wall and I am sure a number of you who've served in the military and in Europe may have had the opportunity to go to the inner German border or even to see the Berlin Wall inside the city. And you know, that was, that was not a thing to trifle with. And spiritually, we were in a very similar position. But this, through Jesus... We've now been brought near and stand with Abraham's children. 
Now, in reaching for another gift under the table, or, or under the, the tree, I'm sorry, and who, who plays Santa at your house? Anybody play, get to play Santa? Eliana, do you play Santa to give gifts? Okay, well, the, the deacon gets to play Santa in, in the Terry home. And I, I love handing presents to people. Uh, but in reaching for another gift, we find a gift tag that simply says, another comforter. Our Holy Father, understanding that these newly adopted children would need tutelage to grow beyond spiritual infancy and on their journey of sanctification. And he declared that his children would have another comforter. Jesus promised, made this promise on the eve of his crucifixion. But we see that Jesus speaking to his, his 12 on that night, on that Thursday night, he promised them that I will ask the Father and they will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells within you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come for you. But the Helper, Jesus further said, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my place, he will teach you all things and bring you to a remembrance of all that I have told you. The gift of the Holy Spirit, the second gift under the tree, enables us to walk faithfully in a world that is at best indifferent or at worst, overly hostile, hostile rather, to, the, to our God and his gospel. In this, gift of, in this gift of the Holy Spirit, we've received comfort. We've received correction. We receive equip, equipping to allow us to walk in a God-pleasing manner while being salt and light in a dark and tasteless world. Uh, this gift, like an artesian spring, bubbles up and bubbles fresh daily, rather equipping us for whatever we may encounter. Did you save the biggest and most special gift for the last when you were younger? Well, we've, I've saved the biggest and best gift. Uh, one of the most succinct statements of what we have been created for is found in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, where essentially it asks the question, and their catechism is built like ours in, in a question and answer type format, where it simply asks, what is the chief purpose of man? The chief purpose of man is to love God and to enjoy him forever. You know, sometimes when, when I was in the military and I was in Germany and it was in the dead of winter and I'm waist deep in snow with an M60 machine gun slogging through on a patrol thinking, where's that recruiter? <laughs> but, you know, if that, that, that seems like an eternal process and it feels like, oh, Lord, was this all I was made for is, is to be a grunt? 
No, you were made to love God and to enjoy Him forever, which is the greatest present that He can give. And Jesus, uh, telling us, reminding us through St. John and in, in this place in the Gospel, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so... I would not have told you that. Now I go to prepare a place for you. And, I, and if I go to this place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That where I am, you will be also. From that moment that our first parents fell into sin, God already had worked the solution. God was not stuck in that moment where we find ourselves sometimes snapping our finger and saying, ah, nuts, what do I do now? No, Jesus had the teacher's manual. He knew all the answers before he even said, let there be light. And that is perhaps the greatest gift that a loving God can give his children. So today, I invite you to pause and, and consider uh, beyond the wrapping paper and the bow, beyond the, the ham or the turkey or the goose, or in our case, last night, KFC, any port in a storm. I invite you just, just to think of what all God has done for us and to us and through us in the incarnation of his son, Jesus, which we celebrate today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.